Welcome to English in 10 Minutes, real, unscripted English conversations about people, places, and their stories. After you listen to the episode, visit EnglishIn10Minutes.com. Today, Wendy and I are coming to you from Namibia, the next country in our African adventure, and we're talking in particular about the Namibian desert. But before we begin, let me remind you that you can get a special offer of 10 US dollars in italki credits with your first purchase by visiting go.italki.com slash English in 10 minutes. Italki is a convenient, affordable way to learn real English with a native speaking teacher customized to your needs. So we're here in Namibia, and it's quite different from the other countries that we've been to. Firstly, because it's very well developed mm -hmm. by African standards and even perhaps by, by non-African standards. Mm -hmm. As we've gone through these countries, it seems like the last few countries have gotten more and more developed as we've gone along. Yeah, Mozambique and Malawi were definitely at a much, much lower level of development. And so it's more challenging to get around because the road system isn't good. And, you know, so it takes much longer to get anywhere. And you just don't have the facilities that we've seen later on in the trip in other countries. So, you know, for example, Zambia, Botswana, Zimbabwe, they were a bit more developed. And then Namibia and South Africa, I would say, are at a higher level of development still. And then the other thing about Namibia is that it's very sparsely populated. Mm -hmm. It's quite a large country geographically, but it only has less than two and a half million people. And basically the entire southern part of the country is desert. Right. And that's not something that you usually associate with the sub-Saharan African uh, right. part of the continent. No. Uh, yeah, obviously the Sahara, uh, which is up in the north of the continent, is a massive desert. And you do have big sand dunes out there and you can go and... Um, just be in the middle of nowhere. But sub-Saharan Africa, most of it is very heavily populated and there are lots of people around. And in Namibia, at least the parts that we traveled in, that just wasn't the case at all. I mean, we would go for, I think, hundreds of kilometers without seeing a single village. Right. So Africa is still very rural. Mm -hmm. And so you do see villages everywhere in these other countries that we've been talking about. But here in Namibia, certainly in the south, you don't see them at all. And like you said, you can drive 200, 300 kilometers and, and just see no settlements or no people at all. Um, and so there are two deserts, the Kalahari, which we spent a night in. And it's also a desert that Namibia shares with Botswana, but we didn't see it on the Botswana side. And we stayed there for a night and we were camping and it was extremely cold at night. Yeah, yeah. And I was worried because that was the first night of a six or seven night trip that we were on. And I was really cold. It was hard to sleep. It wasn't very comfortable. And I was scared that the rest of the trip was going to be like that. Thankfully, it wasn't. The other parts that we visited were not nearly as cold. And even talking to some other guides, they just said that night in particular in that place was especially cold, you know, mm -hmm. even out of season or out of character for that place. Um, and then the other desert is the Namib Desert, and that's, even though the Kalahari is more famous as a name, it's, it's a name that you've heard of, mm -hmm. um, the Namib Desert is actually where the main tourist center of Namibia is. Mm -hmm. And the country Namibia actually gets its name from the Namib Desert, so it is a very important place, you know, for the, the national sense of, of the country and of the people here, even though there aren't really any people that live in that part of the country. Yeah. So again, yeah, there are no people there. There are quite a few camp 
sites and other types of lodges that are set up for tourists. But really, quite a lot of people were camping. Or quite a lot of people do camp in Namibia, even people who are usually more high-end tourists. Uh, it's just well set up for that. And because there aren't population centers, it just is a lot of times it's just easier to go camping, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you can basically do Namibia in one of two ways. You can either drive yourself, in which case you would need to hire probably a 4 by 4 vehicle of some sort, and they there are a lot of companies that will uh, give you a vehicle that has a tent actually on top of the truck or the car that you're driving, and you have a ladder that you can use to get up to your tent. So we saw a lot of these contraptions, and that's the way that a lot of people were doing it. Or if you don't want to drive yourself, then you would need to go on an organized tour. It's not really feasible to do it by public transport, which is how we normally get around in almost every country that we travel to we managed to get around on public transport. But in Namibia, because, as we said, there are no population centers, therefore they don't need public transport to get out to these places because it's really just for tourists. You know, there's no one living there, and therefore you don't have the public transport. Yeah, and to get to this particular area of the Namib Desert, which is the main tourist center called Sosusvle, uh, it's a dirt road, and so you travel on a dirt road for for quite some time. I mean, it's still a reasonably good dirt road, certainly by the standards of uh, the road to Livingstonia that we talked about <laughs> um, a few episodes back. Yeah. Um, but it is still a dirt road, and you're in you're in very rural areas. And if you were to be in a, a rental car and break down, or get a flat tire, or, or something like that, then um, you're really in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So a lot of people don't feel comfortable with the driving aspect, and that's why they decide to go on an organized tour, which is what we did. And so we spent two nights camping in the same camp site at Sosusvle, and the highlight of it is taking a trip to see these sand dunes. And the thing about them that I think stands out immediately is that the sand is this very deep and dark kind of orange-red color. Mm -hmm. It's not the typical yellow that you might associate with deserts. Yeah, or even white. I guess maybe in deserts you, you don't often have the white. But on beaches, particularly the beaches where I grew up in the southern United States, we had re these really dazzling white sand dunes um, or yellow, as you mentioned, in the, in the Saharan Desert, for example. But here they really are a deep red color. And our guide explained that that is because there's a high iron content. And so, you know, just as iron rusts when it oxidizes and gets in contact with uh, the air, and then it turns, you know, this deep red color, the color of rust, the same thing is happening in the sand, actually, and that's why it's this beautiful color. So it's very popular for people to climb these sand dunes for sunset or for sunrise, and so we did that, and we had an absolutely spectacular sunset our first night in, the, in that desert. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing, though, that really draws people, because sand dunes are nice and, and great and everything, but what really draws people is this very unusual natural phenomenon that they have there among the sand dunes. It's quite hard to describe, but we'll put up some pictures on the Facebook page or on the website. You have this white ground, which is clay, mm -hmm. and it's quite white, quite dazzling white. It looks like a salt flat or a salt mm -hmm. pan, but yeah. it's not actually that, but it's very white. And then you have these trees, which are, I believe, acacia trees. Yes. And they're dead. 
and they've been dead in this one particular area for about 700 years. And so there used to be a lot more water in that area, and so the trees were able to live. And they do live, I think, with very little water in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but they lived apparently for about two or 300 years, and then they've been dead for about 700 years. And so you just see these branches, and, and it's very... Um, it's just it's a, it's a haunting type of scene because you just see these dead trees. There's no leaves. Um, you're not allowed to touch them because I think they're very fragile and they could just uh, break quite easily if you sit on a branch or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so you have the white ground, then the dead trees, and then these dunes, these very deep red or deep orange sand dunes, and then the blue sky above. So it's just this incredible scene. It is, and I think it's unique in the world. I don't think there's anywhere else where you can see something like this, and it it feels like you're on another planet. It feels like you're on Mars or somewhere because it just doesn't look like anything that you've ever seen on Earth before. Yeah, so we are having climbed one of the sand dunes. We then got this bird's eye view looking down um, because it is kind of a bowl of sand dunes and then inside this bowl you have the, the clay ground and the dead trees. And so you can see that from above looking down from the sand dune. Then you run or roll or however you do it to get down the sand dunes, which is a lot of fun as well. You kind mm-hmm. of um, get your momentum up. You have sand in your shoes and everything, but you kind of run down the to the bottom of the sand dune and then you're in among the trees and you can just walk around them and just reflect on what you're seeing. And it's really, as we said, it's a spectacular sight. Absolutely. And so for a lot of people, that's the highlight of Namibia, and I think for us it was as well. Yeah, I would agree. I would say that was the most spectacular thing. We saw some other really impressive sites too, but yeah, Sosus Vlei and Dead Vlei, which is the area where these dead trees are rising up out of the ground, that's something I'll never forget. Thanks for listening to English in 10 Minutes. To download a worksheet for this episode, including the most useful vocabulary and a full transcript of the conversation, visit EnglishIn10Minutes.com. Music